All right, welcome back to the Forfeit Fatherhood podcast, a podcast for fathers by fathers, uh, where we talk about the four pillars of fatherhood, which are faith, family, finance, and fitness. And I've got another great guest with me again today. I'm excited to really talk to this guy about about what he's doing, what he's got going on, and, and as always, just to talk about fatherhood because. Uh, I think the more conversations we have around fatherhood, the more perspectives we get, the better we can be as fathers and the better we can be as men. Uh, my guest today is Joey Odom. Joey, how you doing, brother? Man, Rod, I'm doing great. It's good to see you. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man, I'm excited because, uh, like I said, I told you this off the podcast, but I, uh, you know, in curating content for my social media, I, I ran across uh, a post from you uh, and it is one, it was, it was, uh, conviction for me, right? Because hmm. as somebody who, who's on social media, who's creating this following and curating this content and kind of creating a online presence, it requires me to spend some time on my devices, right? On my computer, or on my phone, um, trying to build community, trying to find the content that, you know, continues to push the needle forward. And, uh, finding a way to balance that and balance my time with the family has been a little bit of a struggle. And so when I saw the post from you, uh, you know, where you're talking about your kids notice when you don't, or sorry, your kids notice when you don't notice, I was like, Oh man, uh Oh, <laughs> <He's talking. laughs> now people talk about like, you go to church and see like the pastor's talking to you directly. And I was like, Oh man, he got me. <sighs> This, this dang algorithm has got me. <laughs> and uh, so because I felt convicted, I was like, you know what? I'm going to convict some other people. And so I, <laughs> Just share the conviction. Yeah, I'm going to share the wealth here. And so I posted it. And uh, it, needless to say, and this was probably, man, it's got to be at least probably two months now uh, hmm. from the time. I, it's pretty close to it. I was gone for three weeks. Yeah, it's probably two months now. It is still, as they would say, doing numbers, man. It is it is wow. crazy uh, the amount of interactions and and you know people that are seeing it and, and having a, a response either way. Um, yeah. But I think that's because of how important it is that we make sure we spend time with the people that are close to us. So I'm I'm excited yeah. to get into it, man, to really just dive into it. But but I guess before we get to that point, man, we got to talk about who who Joey is. Yeah. Well, I will tell you one, what's one, one funny thing you say, you go to church and you feel like the pastor's talking to you. What they, what they really say is, you know, what the pastor is struggling with based on what they talk about. So this, this, the, uh, the pastor is preaching to themselves most of the time. Cause that's a thing on top of mind. And that, and that, that's me. I mean, that's my journey as a dad was, was moments of, um, missing moments with my kids because I was looking down at my phone, um, and it's funny because I'll, I'll go I'll go all the way back if that's okay from um, I won't take you to, to the conception. I'll take you to the birth story. I won't tell you the conception story, but I'll tell you the birth story of my <laughs> my son. So he was Thank you. Um, yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, we'll spare you that. Um, so we uh, 15 years ago, my son's 15 now when 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 he was um, about to be born, this is our first and, and by the way, just a little backdrop. I'm I'm six five. My wife is, she claims five feet tall, but she's just a touch under five feet. So there is a huge disparity between us. And so, you know, she gets pregnant with our first child and she's just, you know, it looks like she's, you know, like doubled her size. And she would tell you that. 
And so we go into to the uh, you know the hospital uh, the morning her water breaks and she has just a horrific labor so a, you know an eighteen hour labor and finally at the end of it the doctor says that that something's wrong that that we gotta they gotta take her into surgery they gotta give her a C section to get to get the uh, to get our son out and so doctors spring to action nurses spring to action they they're wheeling her down into the operating room. They won't let me in the operating room because they have to actually put her under sedation. So I'm sitting there, Rod, outside of her operating room, really in fear, in terror of what a, what a long day. And luckily at that time, I didn't have a phone. Um, this is 2008, so I didn't have a phone. And so it was just me and my thoughts. And I prayed one prayer sitting in the, in the, the hallway outside of the operating room. I just said, God, it's been the longest day of our lives will you show me your goodness? So that was it. Just very specifically, will you show me your goodness? And two minutes later, I hear a baby crying in the operating room. And so I hear the cry of my son, of him being born. And so my son comes into the world and I just, I just lay my head back and tears running down my face, hearing his cries, but really hearing the goodness of God. So when I look at my son, who's 15 now, I know that God's good because I've held my son because that was a prayer I prayed and there he was. So amazing, right? And then two years later, we have our daughter who's just, you know, brings in, as you know, with having two girls, just brings in this different element of yourself that you didn't know existed, this softness and this caretaking and would do anything in the world for them. And so that's great, right? I mean, that, all that sounds good. But again, uh, I'll flash, flash forward a couple of years later, my son's five years old at this point. He's playing his first soccer season. And he hadn't scored a goal all year. All the other kids on the team had, except for Harrison. And, you know, this Saturday afternoon moment arises where, where Harrison rears back his leg and kicks the soccer ball. And you kind of think back on it like it's a movie, right? Like slow motion, you know, cue the dramatic music. And he scores his first goal. And it's this moment of jubilation. You know how it is. Like everybody on the sidelines knows that the kid who had never scored a goal scored a goal. So everybody goes crazy. The coach lifts Harrison up. And what does a five-year-old boy do when he scores his first soccer goal? right? He looks to dad. So to make eye contact with me, to see how proud I am, just to see the look on my face and to share that moment. But I was looking down at my phone and I didn't, I didn't see any of that moment. I didn't see his first soccer goal. I didn't lock eyes with him. All of that was described to me by my wife who was sitting next to me. So it was one of those moments where I just thought something's not right here. Something's not right that this little square in my pocket, this little rectangle that's always with me is getting in the way of these things, of these, of the goodness of God embodied in my son and in my daughter who I would do anything for. So it just, it just triggered in me this thought that we got to do a little bit better. I got to figure out how to do a little bit better than this. Yeah, man, that's, that's, yeah, that, that'll definitely push you to, to make some changes, man. Cause that, that's one of those moments, um, my my kids they dabbled in soccer my my, my youngest pretended she liked it my <laughs> oldest hated it um but but uh my youngest uh when she scored her first goal like i was i was there and and i wasn't looking at my phone luckily but Good for it was you. one of those situations she hadn't she in the same similar situation she hadn't scored all year like she didn't even attempt mm. to kick it in the goal and so you're not <laughs> expecting it Right. You yeah. know, when they're like, yeah. when they're like five, it's like uh, the coach is hurting cats. Right. They're just kind of all running around right. and like a little group, but she scores her first one. And I remember the feeling, but then mm. also it kind of being, that feeling was so big because it just hadn't happened. You know, it was so unexpected. Yeah. 
Um, and I could have been doing any number of things at the time. I think I just, I just was, you know, I was mostly bored. I'm just going to whisper because I don't know if you yes, can hear me. Right. I was, I was mostly <laughs> bored at the game. Um, yes. But then that happens and it's like huge. And so I can understand the gravity of, of the feelings you must have had missing that, yeah. you know, missing, missing, yeah. seeing it happen. Right. You still got to celebrate and be excited. And that joy still yeah. is there. That proud, that proud feeling is still there, but, but to have it be described to you, um, yeah, it's tough. Right. Well, and it's interesting. You said something interesting there that I liked. You said you're not expecting it. And that's, that's all that is. That's fatherhood right there. Like you don't know, especially when you, when it's your first child, you, you're, you don't know what to expect. They give you, you know, what to expect when you're expecting, but that's only when the child's in the belly, then what? Right. And right. so you don't, you can't plan out a great moment. You can't plan out. I mean, you, you can try to create that environment for, but you can't perfectly plan that. So you, you know, in a way that, that attentiveness as a father is so important because you never know when something's going to happen. You can't expect, and if you could, like you could, yeah, you could helicopter in and you could, you could see it happen and then, and then move on, but you just have to be ready at all times because you are, we're, we're shaping, we're shaping young lives and, and what they believe is normal for the world is shaped by the way that we, that we interact with them and it shapes their self-worth and it shapes like what they, what they should expect of a, of a friend group or what they should expect of a future partner or whoever it is that's shaped by how we interact with them. And so, yeah, you can't, we're not expecting anything. We just have to be ready when something does arise. Yeah. 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 So, so, um, so you got two kids, 15, 13. Yeah. 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 Man. Yeah. Teenagers, Harrison bro. is 15 teenagers and it's, and it's, Dude, it's great. I mean, it, it's my my son who's fifteen is um, he plays tennis now. He plays competitive tennis, and he's just he's just my dude. Like we're he's you know we we did probably from zero to ten with both um, a very black and white like in in training them like really spending a lot of time in training them. And I do believe again, my kids are far from perfect um, for sure, but I do believe we're seeing some of that fruit now. A lot of the things that we don't have to catch up with a lot of things. We are, we were able from young age and probably, um, probably maybe in some ways a little bit too stern. Um, but I do think that they have a, they have do have some pretty good guardrails. And so now that, that creates this transitional time where, where, yeah, the discipline piece of it is largely over, but now it's like the attentive time. It's almost like it's now it's time to like, enjoy the fruit of those of, you know, 10 years of really, really pouring into them. And so, um, and, and having a chance to instill values or have very difficult conversations about weird, awkward, you know, weird, awkward things that happen when you're a teenager. So it's fun with their, with both of them. My daughter, like I said, who's 13, you know, bro. And I mean, you know, this, it's, it's hard to be a teenage girl right now. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's, there's a lot they're up against. And so having, making sure they have that foundational and Gianna has that, has that foundational knowledge that. Everything could go bad today, but I know I'm going to get some snuggles from dad at night, but I know that dad's going to be there for me. I know we're going to do our highs and lows at dinner. I know. And just having that foundation of how critical that is, is, um, it makes it really fun. And, um, but it does require, you said being bored earlier. I think, I think as a culture, we flee boredom, um, quite a bit. I think that's why we turn to our phones very often is that we don't want that feeling of boredom but boredom is boredom is where the magic happens. Boredom is where creativity sparks and boredom is where things get quiet for a minute. And then all of a sudden your daughter 
creaks open the door and talks about maybe a tough day at school. And so if we don't seek out those moments of boredom instead of fleeing, I mean, there are probably three ways you could do it. You could flee boredom. You could get away from, far away from as you can. You could accept boredom or you could actually pursue boredom. Like what if we chase those boring moments of just sitting there and just seeing what kind of magic happens when we do that? Yeah. Yeah. I like that, man. You know, you, you said something or you used an interesting word. You're talking about the zero to 10 uh, time frame. You said like training them, right? Uh, kind of, hmm. I guess people would say raising, right? But training is, is, a, is, yeah. a, is a good term to use, right? Because typically when you talk about training, you're talking about preparing someone for something that's coming or preparing them for a series of tasks that are coming up. Like uh, strength and conditioning, we're training for uh, the opportunity to be explosive or, you know, and that may take any form, hmm. right? It may be a sprint, maybe a jump, it may be a swing or a throw or whatever, but we're training in order to be prepared for that moment. So from zero to 10, when you guys are training them, what is that? What does that look like? What is that? Like, how, how are you doing that? Is there, do you guys have yeah. a framework for training or is it just kind of how we parent our children? It It's, it probably was a, a um, I, I don't know that I, I don't know that I had a framework I followed necessarily. I have great parents who trained me very, very well. I, I think that for me, it was, it, it, we operated more in a, like I said, a little bit more black and white and a little bit more of pretty tight guardrails of, Hey, here is how you interact with other people. Hey, here is, here's how, here's how you act when we're sitting at dinner at a restaurant, you're not running around. You're not. And, and again, like, my kids know my snap, you know, that snap they from across the room, literally when they were little, they would hear that snap and they would know they'd turn back around. And again, there's probably an element, Rod, where I do believe and I look back with a little bit of regret on like ways that I was maybe a little bit too stern. But it was there's a uh, if you've heard of the author, Jordan Peterson, who's a little bit of a controversial um, figure, but he has a line in his parents. Don't let you. It's a terrible line, but he says, don't allow your kids to do things that make you hate them. Which, yes, controversial. But in other words, it's like if, if you allow your kids to do things that are not socially acceptable, then they're not going to adapt to society when it's time for them to go out on their own. So if they're running around screaming at, at a restaurant, that, that annoys you. And you know that annoys the people around you. But again, they're normalizing that behavior for when, when, they, when they become teenagers and they don't know how to, they don't know how to act socially. So we did that. We, um, we obviously had them, um, you know, had them very active at our church and, and getting a good foundation from the faith side of things. Um, and so it was, we, but, but it did, it was through the lens of training to where they could operate very fluently and functionally in society when it was time for them to start going off their own and having more independent experiences. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've heard that line from, from Jordan Peterson before and I, and I, and I heard it and I was like, it makes sense. Right. Because a lot of times when we, yeah. when people, when you're disciplining your kid or you're, you're punishing your kid, it's not, I mean, it comes from a good place, right? Because you want them to act a certain yeah. way or to do a certain thing, but the punishment of it comes from your own frustrations, right? Like you're frustrated mm. with them acting that particular way. And so when he yeah. says, you know, that, that makes you hate, he doesn't mean like hate, hate, like you despise right. the child, but you hate the way that that action makes you feel towards yes. them, right? Like you're really just mad at how they made you feel in the moment, right? Because you know, as yeah. a kid, 
they don't understand the context of the world. Like they don't know any better when they're making mistakes or they're doing things. And sure, sometimes they do things intentionally. Right. But more often than not, as a kid, they're making mistakes and learning along the way. And then we get frustrated that they've made the mistake uh, when when in reality, it's an opportunity for us to to teach. Right. And so, yes, opportunity is the right word there. I love that you use that because it is an opportunity, because like you said, a four year old does not know how it doesn't have the the doesn't have the context to know how somebody should, somebody should operate in society. And so you have this amazing opportunity to let them know like, no, 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 that's not, that's not actually the right way to do that if you're going to want to make friends someday. So let me, let me teach you the way, let me show you the right way now. And again, you're right. He doesn't mean hate. I think he's trying to be provocative there. So people will make sure they read the parenting chapter, but it's, but it is, it is, it is such an amazing opportunity to help frame that child into the way that they'll be able to thrive when they get older and provide them the right context. Like you said, they don't have context. So to give them the context of how you can operate successfully in life moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. And in the, in the coaching circle, um, I don't, I don't want to miscredit it. And I'm not sure who I heard it from first, but they, there's a saying that is if, if you're not, uh, if you're not coaching it, you're letting it happen. Right. So like, if you're mm. not, if something goes wrong, in your weight room or on your team or somebody's got a discipline issue or a play doesn't go the way that you want it to, if you don't coach it up, you're allowing it to happen, right? Like Hmm. if you aren't, if you aren't disciplining or showing or teaching or telling or instructing or guiding, then they're learning that this is what we're supposed to do, right? Like, yeah, it must be okay because I didn't, I didn't get in trouble for it or nobody said anything. So it's not getting coached. If it's not getting trained, then this is what we're supposed to do. Well, and that's that's where punishment comes in. And, and funny, you even mentioned that. And, and as we're recording this, if you follow any of the Northwestern University scandal that's happened uh, where the coach got fired and it was the question is, did he know that was happening or not? Some of the hazing stuff. Well, if that was systemically within the culture, something that did not bring up or didn't escalate to his level, then there is something wrong systemically there. And so as a parent, I always thought about whenever when, when kids are young, for the most part, the consequences are pretty low consequence being the natural result of something. If they, you know, if they, if I'm trying to think, if they put their finger in a door when it's closing, then that's going to hurt. And so that's a consequence, a natural result of it. And so how can we, when a child does something, teach them, give them, let's call it a punishment, give them a man-made punishment that helps them avoid a larger consequence later. So let's say that they can, let's say you, let's say that they believe it's okay to talk back. Well, then they go through life thinking it's okay to talk back. And then they talk back to the wrong person. They pop them in the nose someday. Well, that was a consequence because they didn't have the proper punishment as they were growing up that would have helped them avoid that larger consequence. So I don't know if that, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's, that's the way I like to think. And the punishment itself as a parent, when you provide a punishment to a child, it should be less than the consequence of them doing it on their own. But it's, but it's at least a warning to them, like, hey, I'm going to slap you on your hand or I'm going to or I'm going to yank you out of, you know, yank your hand out of the way from the door, even though it hurts because it would hurt worse for the door to slam on your hand. I don't know if that exactly makes sense, but that was the framework that I always tried to think through was making sure that the punishment that I gave was not greater than the consequence of those actions naturally. 
You know, I don't know if that sense. makes sense. It makes sense in my brain, but I don't know if it does. No, it does. It does. It's, it's like a like a flow, right? Like it's not it's not worse than what would happen, right? But it's not not mm-hmm. enough where they don't make the change, right? It's right in that, yes, that kind of right. middle sweet spot where it's like, oh wait, it's shocking enough for them to stop doing what they're doing, um, but it's not like so so like you know kind of passive that they're like, oh, well, I can handle that. I'm, yeah, yeah, that's not a big yeah. deal. He's, he's little, so that they can gonna, avoid something. Yeah. Right, right. Let's go back to that that Northwestern thing, though, because I think yeah, we'll 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 talk about that, and people will talk about that, and be like, well, how is the coach supposed to know what's going on in the locker room? Right, he's he's in the office, and he's got so many other things going on, and and I, I like to take everything in the world and relate it back to fatherhood. Um, if 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 as a head coach, right, and I know I've been very close to it. I know it's very tough, but if you aren't yeah. able to be present on a level with your athletes where you get a feel for the culture that's happening, right? Like when you separate yourself so far from the players and, and I, I, and I can't, I can't speak to the particulars of the situation cause I'm not there. Right. right. But, but I think when you are, when you're creating a culture as a coach, you have to not just create the culture. You have to be a part of the culture. Right. Yeah. Like so when you're bringing in coaches and you're recruiting players, you're you're creating the culture with those individuals and the characteristics that they bring in. And a lot of times it's like. Coaches are bringing in some other great coaches, great recruiters, great position coaches, great strength conditioning coaches. They'll bring in five star athletes uh, because of the talent that they bring and often leave the character part out of it. Right. Mm. Now, as a as a head coach or as a father, as a head coach, you, you are bringing things into your home that you hope to enrich your children's lives, right? You you get a big screen TV, you buy your teenager a phone, you allow them to go to their friend's house and play. And, you know, you let them go to to certain parties or play for certain teams and all these things that are, that are great to enrich their lives, but you have to find a way to, be a part of all of those things as well, right? Like as, yeah. as a head coach, you should probably stroll through the locker room every once in a while, just, you know, like for no reason at all. Like my, 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 uh, my, my uh, dad at his house, we'd go to, when I'm at his house and I'd be in the room sometimes, sometimes he'd just open up, the, he'd just kick the door open, you know, and just look around <laughs> like, and then he wouldn't say anything and he would just leave. Right. But like, it's one of those situations where he like, he's look, I just want to know what's happening in here, man. What's, what's going on. Right. And then he would just leave. And I'd be like, I was always like, what is he doing? But there's other ways you could have done that. Right. But, but just yeah, the, the right. being, being present in, uh, in your, in your culture that you create, being present in your household, being present in your organization or your team is super important or else things like that slip by you. Right. Right. Things that are happening and people aren't bringing it up to, like you said, your level because they're, they're so far apart. You're separate. Right. Like you're you're, yeah. you're the head coach. We're never going to talk about that to the head coach. Right. We might talk about it to the trainer. Mm. The strength and conditioning coaches are going to get it all right because they, they, they're like we're part time strength and conditioning coach, part time therapist, part time babysitter. Uh, right. So we hear we hear everything that's going on. But if there's a distance between that guy and the head coach, then he never finds out. He gets fired and people are like, well, you know, he should have known. Some people are like, he should have known. And I, in part, agree. And then some people are like, well, how is he supposed to know? Mm. And I think he has a responsibility to know because he is taking on a father figure type yeah. role with those athletes in that program. 
And so yep. I just wanted to go back to that real quick because I, I when you well, said it, I was like, ah. Well, it's so true. And you said something there in, in what led into it is that the culture is the, the culture is happening. So culture is, I mean, that's what we got to understand within our homes, our a culture is being formed at all times. And so it, it's up to us if we, to you, to your exact point, are we creating it or are we just letting it happen? Because it is happening. So are mm-hmm. we the ones who are creating it? And in that situation, and again, this is no indictment on that specific scenario, but like that was under your watch and it, it and I think part of it could be, especially right now, and I'm, maybe I'm rabbit trailing into college athletics too much, but especially with NIL and transfer portal and all that stuff, the focus more and more and more has become, you, you got to go win. You got to go win. And I get it. We're playing it. That's a competitive sport. You got to go win. But if you don't have a North star along with that is like, no, I'm also training young men to uh-huh. be great men. Uh-huh. So it, rather than no, we got it because Hey, Fitzgerald put up a lot of good numbers at Northwestern, best numbers they've had in years at that school. But in the same respect with us as kids, I have to make sure that I have a very clear North star for Harrison as a young man and for Gianna as a young lady and what I want for their futures. And if I'm not taking an active role in creating that culture, and again, culture is culture is the taken for granted assumptions of how this organ, how an, an organization works. So it's those things you don't even think about. It's the things that are just so normal that they're taken for granted that they're not conscious. And so they, then those things are happening all the time. And we have to take that active role in really, really creating them, which by the way, is really hard. That's really, it is extraordinarily hard. How's a, how's a guy going to know what 70, 19, 20 year olds are doing in a locker room? That's hard. How are we, I mean, it's hard enough for me to know what's, you know, what's going on with my kids. But you said something on our podcast that I've been really thinking about and it was actually, it's very, it's really challenging. You said, what does it look like to be involved completely in your household? And some, I've been thinking about that a lot. And you used an example of if your wife, you know, keeps the calendar, that doesn't mean that you're just a passive bystander and you just show up when she tells you to show up. That means you're involved completely in that, whether you're leading the, the calendar or you're co-leading and helping to implement and doing the things beforehand. If you got to go to church and leave by 1030, well, why don't I take an active role in making sure the kids are dressed too? So there's this whole concept that you've challenged me with of what does it look like to be involved completely and in doing so you create a culture. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, and, it, and that's a really, really tough thing. I'll be completely honest. It's a really, really tough yeah. thing. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend that I'm, I'm killing it in that, in that regard. It is something that I, I struggle with. Um, and I think that I'm always going to struggle with, right? To give yourself yeah. completely to something is, is it requires effort continuously, right? Because yeah. the, the nature of the person is going to be like, yeah, I should hold something back. I should do something a little bit more for me, or I, I just don't really care about that. It's like a, kind of like a self-preservation thing, right? Like your body is going to naturally make you like do the least amount, right? Whatever is the, the yeah. minimum effective dose. Like my wife has a calendar right. and I know what's on the calendar boom, I'm good. Right. <laughs> or she tells me, she yeah. tells me something's happening on Saturday. And I actually remember that something is happening on Saturday. I don't, <laughs> I don't wake up Saturday morning. Like, man, what we got, what we got going on today. Yeah. Um, right, that would like just me. be the, yeah, that would be just the, 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 you know, just the minimum part of it. But then like, yeah, she tells me I got something on Saturday and then I start planning things around the Saturday. And then, you know, I'm making sure whatever it is on Saturday, like we're going, we're going to a friend's house and okay, well, can we, do we need to bring anything? Or, you know, I, I contact the friend and ask them, you know, there's, there's levels and layers to it. Um, but I think this is, I don't know what it looks like to be honest, to yeah. be com- 
to be completely involved, right? I, I try mm. my best to be as involved as I can, but there's things that I'm going to miss, right? And I think that, yeah. I, I think that's, I think it's okay, right? I think it's okay that we're going to miss some things, right? We're not going to catch every fly ball, right? It's going to be, right. a, a, it may be a can of corn, right? It might be right in our glove. And, and for whatever reason, there's a hole in the glove that day, right? We just missed it, <laughs> just right. through the cracks, right? Um, but we still have to give the effort continuously to be involved yeah. because the culture that we want to create, it demands that, right? Like if we, yeah. if we want for our children to be the best version of themselves and not necessarily like there is, like you say, a North stars, it's an idea for us of what we want our children to be, but then also who do they want themselves to be and helping them discover yeah. that and navigate what mm. life means to be that person and giving them context around what the world is and isn't. Um, there's so much involved in that. And I think that is yeah. daunting for a lot of guys, right? It's just that that part of fatherhood is, is, is a, is a daunting task, but it's also very fulfilling, right? To see yeah. your kids achieve um, whatever it is that they're trying to, right? Like whatever, whatever yeah. thing that they want to do um, is it's super cool. Right. But difficult absolutely but nobody said it would be easy right well it, well that's right and, and again like of course like you're going to get extraordinary results if you do something more difficult i mean the the, the what the value of solution of, the, of a solution is proportional to the complexity of the problem it is complex to be involved completely it sounds basic and again this is this is effectively rod this is the premise of what we of what we're thinking about and talking about all the time at, at ro is the biggest the biggest thing that gets in the way of our intentions today, as basic and simple as it sounds, is our phones. Our, our phones are the greatest. And again, I would, I would define distraction as anything that gets in the way of our intentions. I suspect every dad, every person listening to this podcast has great intentions as a current dad or future dad. That's my guess is that, that that's the, because they're listening because they've taken the effort. They've gone 80% eight, of the way to just say, this is what I want. So the intention is there. But if we have this distraction with us all the time in our phones, it is going to get in the way. And and there's there was a study by the Gottman Institute that came out recently, and it said that 86% of couples who remained married turned towards their partner's subtle bids for connection so 86% of the time, they turn towards their partner subtle bids for connection. But those things are really hard to pick up on, those subtle bids for connection. And, and it could be something tiny like, like um, oh, what, remember that restaurant we went to, honey, a, you know, a couple months ago, that Italian place? Oh, that was so good. That, that could be saying, I like that restaurant. But what it probably is saying is, I need a date night. Mm -hmm. And if we're, not, if we're not cued in, then you say, okay, well, something's wrong there. And then, by the way, the, the inverse of that is, Couples who get divorced only turn towards the, their partner's bids for connection 33% of the time. But, but I believe it's physically and emotionally impossible to turn towards, those, turn towards those bids for connection if we're holding a phone, if we're looking at a phone, we're not listening, we're not fully present. And that goes, that, so that's with our, our, our spouses. Then with our kids, like we said earlier, they notice when we're not there. And, and I think that we have a generation of kids, especially when they're like, three, four, five, six years old, it begins with this like, Hey daddy, look at me. And they'll, they, they value themselves enough to say, look at me, 
put your phone down, look at me. And I bet you people have, have heard that line, put your phone down and look at me. That's a wonderful thing to hear from your child because of a couple of reasons. One, they like you. So that's good. They want you to put you down your phone because they like you Two, They, they crave your attention. They are built for connection at a young age. Three, they value themselves enough to believe they deserve your attention. And four, they're not yet conditioned to believe that our phones are more important than they are. But the more we look at our phones, they just condition themselves more and more and more to believe that our phones are more important. And I believe, and this is it, you know, we would have never said this 20 years ago because so we, we didn't have smartphones. I believe the greatest opportunity we have as parents, and I'll say particularly as dads, is to put our phones down and be fully present eye to eye. I mean, you think about an infant, they talk about all these, these, you know, the, the studies that say how important eye contact is and how critical that is. Now think about it. The now they're saying that teenage unhappiness is at an all time high. So you have 14, 15 year olds who are so unhappy. And I believe very largely it's because they grew up with parents who didn't look in their eyes that they grew up with parents who looked at screens. And by this is an indictment on myself too, by the way, this is not me pointing fingers at anybody. This is me saying that I was, I've been guilty of this when my kids were growing up and the greatest opportunity we have right now is to put that thing down and look in their eyes and just be, that's it. Even if it's boring, even if it's not as exciting as whatever YouTube video it is, that's the best thing we can do for our kids, for our spouses. And when we do it for our spouses, by the way, that also permeates down to our kids because then they see what they should expect someday in a relationship so you're setting up your kids for a future. You're creating a normal for them. What, what should a normal look like? Well, a normal should look like your partner looking you in the eyes. So I, I really do think, Rod, that this is, it's impossible right now for us to be involved completely when we're holding a phone. And I'm not saying we get rid of phones. I'm saying, how about six o'clock to nine o'clock at night? That may sound hard. Or what about six o'clock to 6.15 at night? Just start there. Just little bits of time of putting your phone down and how important and critical that can be and foundational to your children's development. Then also how, how much that could help your marriage thrive just by doing that basic thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I want to touch on that, that teenage unhappiness thing. It, and it's one yeah. of those things where it doesn't start there. As you mentioned, it doesn't start yeah. when you become a teenager, right? From, from like zero to seven, zero to 10, a large portion of your child's self-esteem, and we say like self-esteem is esteem itself, but it's built through hmm. the people that you value the most, right? Their, their value, their self-worth, their self-esteem is all kind of as, especially as a, as a kid, their world is really small. It's like mom, dad, maybe a sister and a brother, right? But I'm at the yeah. center of it. If the things that are around me, right, don't value my crazy thing that I just did. Look at me, I just jumped, right? Or, <laughs> you know, this, this, yeah. this joke this joke that I just told nobody laughs at or nobody's paying attention to me as I grow, I, I, my, my value that how I value myself, these people that I care about the most don't value me. So no one does. Right. Um, yeah. it, it, I get, mm. I get really anxious because the things that I'm going to, like, I'm not sure how I'm going to be received by people around me. Right. And then, you know, once yeah. I get to, to being a teenager, well, the world in itself, for a teenager is crazy, right? Going to middle school and yeah. that transition and your body is weird and people around you are weird and school gets harder because now you got multiple classes and different teachers and sports is harder. And, and you know, now people are, you're getting to an age where you're, people talk about teenager, like it's like a, like a thing, right? It's like, it's a whole thing. Yeah. 
And so it makes sense that kids who have been kind of devalued or not giving, mm-hmm. given the enough, the attention that would build their self-esteem have self-esteem issues or are unhappy yeah. with themselves because they haven't been cherished maybe the way that they should have mm. as a kid. Um, and it, and it's, it's, it's funny for us because as adults, we'll talk about kids and phones and, you know, they're always on their phones or, you know, they're on YouTube or they're on this or on that, but we kind of let it happen. Right. And then, <laughs> yeah, and right. then the double down on it, we got sucked into it. Right? Like we, mm, we're yeah. following, we're following their lead in, in a lot of ways. Right. And, and I've noticed with my kids, cause they just got iPads uh, for Christmas this year. Prior to that, they didn't have any social media. I'm not social media. They didn't have any, devices right or they they did but they had like the little educational devices so it was like you know no access to the internet no youtube other stuff right but what i noticed with them is they have no ability to disconnect from it right like Mm. if they're watching something on their ipad it doesn't matter what it is they can't hear like their hearing is gone like they're completely deaf right uh the house would have to be on fire and it would have to burn (laughs) them first like they could smell the smoke and they could see the fire off in the distance, but it's like blurry. It would have to like literally catch their clothes on fire before they move. And, you know, I'm 40, right? And so the internet didn't become a thing until I was in college. I mean, it was a thing, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a thing like for real. I didn't have my first phone until I was 20. And so yep. I can I can be on my phone and, and immediately put it down and, and focus in, right? Could be watching yeah. something on TV and having a conversation. These aren't good things. I'm not saying that these are good things that, that I, I've got these special set of skills, but right. but I have an ability to have multiple things happening and pay attention. Not as good as I should, obviously, but be able to pay attention and hold a conversation. But they don't, right? And, mm. and we <laughs> we have to make sure that we help them with that. But then also we can't fall down that same rabbit hole, right? We can't yeah. allow ourselves to get caught up in like we talked about at the beginning of this thing, missing those moments, right? Because as you said, that six to 6.15 could be a huge 15 minutes in your life and your child's life, right? Yeah, absolutely. I saw on you guys' blog, uh, you had an update from a guy who was, I guess it was breakfast time. It's like 17 minutes to change. Like that's huge, right? Because one, we talk about things that happen unexpectedly, right? It's just, we weren't expecting that. But you put the phone down and you have that conversation and you have a little little like connection time and and it changes the dynamic. Right. It changes yes. the, the the people around you. It changes you. Right. I think I think your quote, it was saying, you know, when you change your relationship with your phone, you change your relationship with everyone around you and yourself. Right. And, and I think yes. we miss that. Man, it's so true. It, it's it's just this it's just this silly thing. And again, because it doesn't sound difficult again, like, you know, you know how to lose weight. Well, you, you burn more calories than you consume. So that seems easy, right? So why isn't everybody fit? Because that's, because the practicality of that can become difficult because there are things in the way of that. And I mean, our goal as a company is to help remove the friction of putting down your phone. So we have a solution for it. But the point is like that we can, any, anything that we want to do has a very simple equation to it. just like that, it's just caloric deficit and, and, and staying active, right. Or, or adding a little bit of weight, you know, as you, you know, from week to week to week or whatever that is on, on the, uh, on the bench press. So 
but what happens is, and this, this is where the cool opportunity is, like we do have these opportunities every day, all the time around us, because when we put down our phones, Rod, I mean, we, you, you know, when you have, when you put down your phone and by the way, I encourage people to tell the people around them that they're doing it. So for dad listening tonight, just try this out tonight. It's family dinner. Be like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to put my phone over here in the other room for dinner. Just say it. Don't ask anybody else to do it. Just do it yourself. And what you've done all of a sudden is you've changed the environment completely. And the message you're saying to those people is 8 billion people can reach me on this phone. Theoretically, there are 8 billion people on the earth. 8 billion people can theoretically reach me on the phone. And you are more important than every single one of them right now. So you're bestowing value on them. And so to your point, when a child all of a sudden becomes a teenager, it doesn't start then when they become happy, you know, the, the unhappiness or happiness doesn't begin then it starts really, really early on. But if they know I have this value, my dad has thought I'm valuable all my life because he, I, I know that because he puts his phone down and he fully focuses on me. And, and by the way, back to our kids noticing when we're not there, they notice when we are there, they love it. My daughter, when we were 10 years, when she was 10 years old, we just finished watching a movie and I didn't have my phone with me. And she turned to me at the end of the movie and she said, daddy, did you know that this is the first movie we've watched together and you haven't had your phone? It's no BS. Like she noticed that. And we've heard those stories again and again and again and again from people through RO saying, my kid actually said, they, they said they could tell I was there. And so here's something cool that happens. This is just the habit loop. The end of the habit loop is reward. And that was a reward for me for putting my phone down. And so what do you think the next time we watched the movie, what do you think I did? The first thing I did was putting down my phone because I knew how good it felt when Gianna recognized that I was fully present with her. And so we're in a bunch of these, I would call them habits, but habits begin with routines. We have a, we have a habit of having our phone with us all the time. 91% of Americans have their phones with them 24 hours a day. I would say, and science would tell us for the most part, for 95% of us, it's not an addiction. We're not addicted to this thing. I know we get dopamine hits and I know there are good things to feel, but the point is the habit that we have built is that our phone's with us all the time. Mm -hmm. So our goal with people is let us help, let us give you the tools. At first, understand that a healthy relationship with your phone means that you need to have a little bit of distance from it at some point throughout the day. Some point. It could be during dinner time. It could be during uh, trying to read a book, maybe a morning devotion, maybe a little bit of one-on-one -on -one time with somebody else. Like you need a little bit of distance from your phone. It's not healthy that we have our phones with us 91% of the time. So let's reduce that 91.1%. Don't be part of the 91% that has your phone with you 24 hours a day. And then when you put it down, again, I encourage people to really make an outward display of it because you are telling somebody else you're important to them. So put it away and then really be fully present because that's when, that's when parenting starts, right? It's not like our parents, our parents didn't have phones at all. That doesn't mean they were good parents. They just meant that just meant that they had an environment where they could be fully present with us and they chose to, or they chose not to. So the real magic happens after the point is not just put your phone down. The point is point your phone down so that you can be fully present and you can come eye to eye with the people who are most important to you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think our parents, um, they had the, the gift of us not having phones and them not having phones. Right. Because yeah. like you said, they had the choice to be fully present or not. Right. And, and whatever happened, happened. But then also they had an extended period of time to be effective in our life. Right. Because kids mm. now, <clears throat> because they have phones, they, they never leave the outside world outside. 
right? Whatever happened yeah. while they were at school now comes home with them. All those same people, yeah. all those same problems, all of those same uh, things are now just traveling along with them. And they never, we never get the opportunity. And I don't have that yet. And I'm, I'm fighting for it right now. But <laughs> where they like, they bring the outside world inside, right? With me, if something happened at school, I could separate from it and go home. And whatever happened at home was, it was a completely different world. It was like, uh, have yeah. you seen the show Severance? Oh, yeah. I love that show. You know what I mean? Like I, I, had, a, I yes. had a home life and an and a outside yep. home life. And they, they, the, two, the two rods never got to meet each other, right? Yeah, that's but, right. But now it, it, they, they are inseparable, right? Like, they're, like yeah. you said, 91, 91% of the people had a phone 24 hours. That's a lot. Like that's, that's yeah. like, a, like a, another appendage. Like it's attached to you. That's right. Um, and I think, like you said, it, it's a routine. Like we get used to wake up in the morning. We check our phone. We check our email. Like we... We sit down at the table and it's to check your phone or like these things just keep happening. And the only way to kind of break that is to put it somewhere and not just yes. put it somewhere because I've tried this before and, and you know, you just, all right, I'll come in the house. We have the, the key basket. I mean, just put my phone in the, in the basket and it worked for like a day. But then like the next yeah. day, I like, I hear it vibrate and now I'm going to, now, now I'm physically leaving the room to go check it. You know, it's just like, <laughs> what's, I almost feel like it's worse, right? Like it's yeah. a worse, worse yeah. scenario. Um, and right. so everybody, not everybody, but it, I would, I would, I would think that a large majority of people are trying to separate themselves from their phone. Like, I think there's a pretty yeah. good number there. I don't know what the statistics are, but I'm sure there's a pretty good number of people that are trying to find a way to spend less time yeah. on their phone. But without without a, a resource uh, or, or yeah. an idea or a plan or even like you said, the accountability piece of telling other people, um, yeah. it's going to be really hard. Right. It, it's it, like you said, yeah. it, when I talk about weight loss and I'm working with clients and it's, it's like it is a simple equation, but that doesn't mean it's easy. Right. It's That's simple, right. not easy. It's a very big difference. Yeah. Um, and this is not an easy thing for us or for our children, but it is yeah. a necessary thing. And it's something that we have to try to work towards because they need us as, as parents yes. and, and shoot, I don't know where the world is going with, with social media <laughs> and, and technology and artificial intelligence and all that. But yeah. if I'm not able to connect with them more then I'm going to lose them faster. Yeah, that's right. It, it It's totally right. It, the, the stakes, the stakes are really high. And I think that, you know, gym memberships, people pay for gym memberships all the time, right? Because they place enough value on that piece of their lives. Now, you and I both know you can burn calories and build muscle for free. I don't know if people mm -hmm. know that you don't have to join a gym for that. But when you when you take it seriously enough, you place value on it. And so then you say, Okay, I'm gonna have the monthly payment, the accountability, or maybe I, you know, go with the, go through group of group of people to a gym together. Maybe I am in a higher rod and like, like really place value on that because it's important enough to you. You see the value in it and you say, I need some help removing the friction of doing something that is difficult to do. It is difficult to stick to a, a consistent workout regimen to pursue that goal. But if it's important enough to you, you'll, 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 deploy the resources to that. And it should be important enough to you. And we're as evolved enough as a society now to know that physical fitness is absolutely critical. And we all need to be taking drastic measures to take care of our bodies. 
And I am hopeful when I think of society because I do think that people are beginning to recognize I have to do something about smartphones. I need to model it well for my young kids so that when they have phones, they have a good relationship with their phone. And again, RO, what we do, we provide a solution that helps give you a place for your phone and then gamify the experience of being away from your phone. So it's not just the place, but it's the app and kind of building it almost like a um, that app is built around kind of the science of what the social media tools are doing to keep us on our phone. So we're doing it to help you get away from your phone. And But the principle is, just like you can burn calories for free, if you can do this on your own, please go do it on your own. We're, we're just here if someone says, I need a little bit more help to remove that friction of doing something difficult. And that's our goal. But our message is more, this is not about, the last thing we need to do is just you know to sell product or anything like that. We're not interested in that. We're interested in spreading this message that we need to, not just need to, like we are in a desperate, dire point in society when we have to do something. But it's not just society. Because you know the Surgeon General just the Surgeon General just just issued a national health crisis, a public health crisis around the use of smartphones, and he has this national you know this national strategy to advance social connection. But a national strategy doesn't work unless we have a household strategy. So I think people listening can forget all about the cultural and societal. No, no, no. think about you. Think about your kids. Think about your spouse and employ a household strategy for yourself or for your, for your kids because it it is far too important for us to just believe it's going to happen back to the culture example it can't it, it's going to happen and you need to be the one that's creating it or it's going to go somewhere else that culture and what's normal in your home what's normal for your kids with devices it's just going to happen on its own unless you take an active role in creating it so that's our message is and by the way the term ro or company name means to notice and to turn towards. That's what that word means. And we want people to turn towards the things that are most important to them, to notice the feelings inside of them, to notice their spouse's subtle bid for connection, to notice some, if something's different with their child so then they can talk to them and see, oh, maybe something did happen at school. But all that, none of that can happen unless our phones are really physically distant and out of our line of sight so we can actually be attentive enough to notice those things happening around us. Yeah, yeah. You you mentioned this the subtle the subtle thing or subtlety uh, earlier, and you brought it up here again. And and I think it's not just your your wife; it's also or your significant other. It's also your kids, right? They uh, give yeah. you little yeah. little hints throughout the day, or little things that they do, or even even just the the look, right? Just looking at you mm. to see if you're looking at them, right? Uh, or to see if you notice yes. that they've done something or said something or just little stuff, right? Because my girls will do it. They just do yeah. little stuff, like say little stuff or do little things. And like, then I feel them staring at me. I'm like, what? What happened? Like, what? Yeah, I saw you. <laughs> I'm looking at it. Like, we're looking at each other. I'm not, I'm not looking at you. Yeah. You're looking at me. We're looking at each other. Like, I know what's going on. Um, yeah. But I think that's really important that we, we, you know, continue to push the envelope forward on noticing those things. And like you said, they're not yeah. easy. It's not easy to notice when when it's something so subtle, right? Like it, it, it isn't just jumping out at you. They aren't yelling at you like they did when they were three or four, when they were saying mommy yeah. or daddy a hundred times to get your attention. Now they're just like, <laughs> you know, they might just walk in the room, right? They just look at you a certain way and you're supposed to pick up on, yes. hey, you're not, you want to talk about that? Or it's just, I was school today or, you know, it's just the little things yeah. that I think 
it's hard to pick up on if you aren't trying to be fully involved or you aren't trying to be as present as you can be. And, and your phone is a barrier to that, right? It is, it is definitely a distraction. Um, and probably one of the biggest distractions, not only for your family, but just for other things too. Like just, there's so many things that happen on phones, which is really interesting, right? Is because a phone that gives you the ability to connect with at this point, anybody in the world, right? You can connect with celebrities and superstars and families and businesses and you have the ability to really, with with very little effort, connect to all the information the world has ever known, and mm. all the people the world has ever had. But the people who are closest to you are further away because of your proximity to the wow. people who are furthest from you. Mm. Yeah, that was that was that was a little deeper than I wanted to go. But but uh, you know, no, I, I, kinda... I, no, you got my you got my you got my mind spinning because you said something super interesting in the middle of that. You said with very little effort, we can consume a lot of information, and what valuable thing comes from very little effort? Nothing, right? Yeah. I mean, to to it's it's like nothing nothing of value comes from very little effort, and so we're we're pursuing the things that require very little effort that have a commensurate amount of value. And we're overlooking the things that have the greatest value because they require a lot of effort, man. It's really hard. And I got a 13 year old and a 15 year old. Sometimes it's hard to connect with them, but that doesn't mean I shouldn't pursue it. Doesn't mean I, doesn't mean I shouldn't go, you know, doesn't mean I should watch some severance episodes on my phone just because that's easy. Um, That means that I need to go actually put in the work, to connect with them. And and again, the the result is a huge amount of value. There's nothing, there's nothing more valuable than that. And I think it's worth clarifying one thing. I'm not getting rid of my smartphone. I I love my phone. My phone does amazing things for me. It does help me connect across the country with my family who lives and lives states away. It allows me, I talk with my, my brother, he and I talk every morning and he lives six states away. My phone's awesome and I love it. So what I'm talking about, though, is we're talking about building a healthier relationship with it where I can harness the great things about it without being pulled down into the negative things about it. So this is this is not an anti phone. This is not a this is not even a a call for a digital detox. It's really not. I'm not saying go spend a month off your phone. I am saying, how about 15 minutes? How about dinner time? How about how about when you need a little personal reflection time or morning devotion or whatever it is? That's what we're talking about, eliminating those distractions from the moments where you have an, an intention to do something valuable. Yeah, I think that's a really, really important point to make because, um, like I mentioned, the, the post, um, the responses and comments, and there's, you know, there's people that are like, well, imagine, imagine seeing this while you're looking at your phone. <laughs> like, yeah, well, yeah, it's not, yeah. it's not about the phone, right? The phone is, right. is. I would say, and I, I don't know if I, I said this to you before, but we're talking about like uh, the cough is a symptom of a cold, right? Mm. Like it, it's you, you, you go get cough medicine to treat the cough, but you're not technically treating the cold. It's just stopping you from coughing. I think the yeah. phone is a symptom to a bigger problem with the, the interpersonal mm. relationships that we have, right? Yes. Like it's like you mentioned, it's harder to form these bonds. It's harder to have a great relationship with your significant other. It's harder to be funny, to be caring, to be, you know, but like if I share a meme, yep. 
I didn't really have to do anything. I saw it. I laughed at it. I shared it with you. Now I'm funny. I'm the funny guy in the group. I send, right. I send the funny memes. Like I, now people think I'm funny. Then we go like together in public and I'm not cracking jokes. They're like, God, he's, he's different. He's, are you okay? I'm, like, yeah, I'm fine. I just don't have any funny memes to share right now, guys. Like, you know what I mean? Um, so I think, I think that, that you're right. It's not about the phone, right? It's about the connection. Yeah. It's about reinforcing the importance of, of those people that are close to you. It's about building up the, the long lasting relationships that you really, mm-hmm. really want to have, right? Because we have people who we follow and people who follow us on social media and we, you know, comment and we tweet to each other and we have these like kind of really surface level relationships and we value those and sometimes more than we value the real relationships that we could have Mm. with our family and friends and and those in our community and i think that's probably the real issue um and and so you know we have to we have to let go of uh what what people call or have called phone shaming uh as if a phone is a a person i'm with you man and the cool thing is it's not doom and gloom. It's not, it's not for you to shame. It's a, there's no shame in this. It is, it is the greatest opportunity we all have in front of us. And the cool thing is it is right in front of us. It's available to every single one of us today. This is available to us. So, so no one should walk away from this conversation feeling bad about themselves or going down a shame spiral. No, no, they should walk away being like, this is freaking awesome. I can do something about it today. I, this is, it require, it actually requires a small act at the beginning to go do something very, very valuable, valuable. And that is phone in a different place out of sight and away from, away from your person, away from you being able to grab it. And it's such a cool opportunity. It will, I'll say it again. You, you referenced the line we saved. If, when you change your relationship with your phone, you change your relationship with everyone around you, including yourself. And that's hopeful. That's an amazing opportunity. All of us have that we can do today. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's it again, when we talk about it, like being simple or, or like a, a smaller thing, it's it's really it's really not right. And we can talk yeah. about it being for our family and for for our kids. But really, it's for you. Right. Because, yeah, when you make that step. Right. And you put your phone away, what you're saying, not only to them, but to yourself, is that I value you. And I value how you view me because I Mm. have value for myself, right? Like if I don't care what you think about me, then I can do whatever I want, right? Like I can be whatever Mm. I want. I can be lazy. I could, you know, I could be any of the negative things that you say, right? And I could be all of those things, but I don't care what you say, right? But our family, I think we do. I think we do care what they Mm. think. I think we do care that they feel like we love them. I think we do care that our, our kids, when we get old, are not going to put us in a home. You know, I think we do care about <laughs> all of those things. And the best way for us to show it is to show it to ourselves. And like, yeah, like you said, just it, it doesn't have to be a, a, this big thing. Like, it doesn't have to be a 30-day phone detox. Maybe, maybe depending on, on the person. Maybe that's yeah. Maybe that's who you are and you know who you are and that's what you need. Right. But then after the 30 day detox, are you going to go right back to it? Right. Like it's it's one of those things where you have to, you have to, I think you take baby steps. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or at least you try to, right. At least you try to take baby steps. And maybe like you say, 15 minutes, like the rule of 15, like if I could do 15 minutes consistently, let me try to add 15 to it. 
right? And then yeah. I just grow from there, right? Um, yeah. But then also, if you know yourself and you know, okay, I'm not a 30-day detox kind of guy, um, but I'm also not a 15-minute kind of guy. Like, I know that mm-hmm. I need something. I need another level to that, okay? And then this is where something like Arl comes in. It's like, it takes it takes the pressure off of me wanting to go get my phone because it's somewhere else yeah. and I can't see it. And it is, it is, it is, it's in its own world, right? It's doing this thing in its own yeah. world. Matter of fact, when I get it back, the battery's going to be charged. Like, oh, I don't have to worry about it. Like, it's, yeah. it's like the biggest, the two biggest concerns on the phone is what notifications you got and what is my battery percentage, right? <laughs> I don't have to worry about the notifications. And when I get it back, the battery's going to be fully charged. Like, all right, cool. I yeah. can handle that. Um, That's it. But I think, I think you have to know who you are and where you are. Um, and, and, and again, this is a, a something that's going to be beautiful and beneficial for you and those yeah. around you. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Man. So look, I knew this was going to be a good one, man. Like I, I knew talking to you <laughs> and, and, and getting into to talking about fatherhood and talking about all of these things that we've talked about, were going to be awesome, but you know, it's a fatherhood podcast and I ask this question all the time and, and I get varying responses because fatherhood is, is, uh, is not the same for everybody, right? There's a lot of parallels, um, but everybody does it a little bit differently because our kids require that of us. But I'm curious to know, what does uh, what does fatherhood mean to you? Yeah, I, I think if I were to simplify synthesize what I think what fatherhood means to me is, I, I I think fatherhood is an opportunity, an opportunity to probably clean up some stuff that that maybe you had experienced when you were growing up. It's an opportunity for me um, when I think about how great my dad was to build on the great things that he that he did um, for me to tweak some things. And maybe I didn't you know that maybe I, I would adjusted I would have adjusted for him. But and you've said this before and I love it. It's this is your only unique job. This is my only unique job. I am replaceable to everybody else. Probably. <laughs> probably my wife, I hope she didn't listen, but like she would, you know, she could go find somebody else who's better looking than me and who's, you know, and that may be a hard search. I get it, but no, um, but no, so she could find somebody who could replace, but my kids, you said it, you said it on our podcast. I'm the only one for them. I'm, I'm, this is my single unique job. I'm replaceable everywhere else. So to me, it is, it is this extraordinary opportunity. And, And that comes from somebody, Rod, where I do look, I do reflect sometimes with like guilt on mistakes I've made in the past. And so it's easy to go look at the downside and, and look, Oh, I wish I'd have done this. I wish I'd have seen Harrison's first soccer role, but no, today's different. And whenever I leave the office today and I go home, I have this amazing opportunity to create an experience and to be there for them and to fulfill my job. That is the only unique job I have in my life. So to me, it's opportunity. I like that, man. I like that. I haven't heard anybody say opportunity of all the all the episodes or maybe I'm maybe I'm oh, missing sounds... one. But that if they did, they didn't explain it the way that you did. So <laughs> I, I really like the the opportunity angle um, because I agree it is an opportunity to, like you said, maybe right some wrongs and, and an opportunity to to set your child and, and the world up uh, to be a better place. All right. Here's here's the. Uh, Here's a, here's the last question. Um, it's kind of a two-part question, but the uh, the first part is really important because you know, again, it's a podcast for a father. So let's say, yeah. Um, let's say you're you're putting out a, a social media post, and because we're talking about phones, right, guy, <laughs> all of all of the followers who are going to see this 
our, our fathers, right? So this message is yeah. specifically for them. If anybody else catches it, it's a bonus. Uh, but <laughs> all dads, all dads are going to hear this. Uh, what do you want them to hear? I want them to hear that the the most the most important thing you can do is to be fully present. That's the most important thing. That, and by the way, that's me telling myself that same message. That's the most important thing that I can do is to be fully present. And the lowest hanging fruit we have there is literally to physically put our phones out of sight and away from us. And the, that's the most important thing. You are 80% of the way there by doing that small thing because the most important thing you can be is fully present. And again, that's that's a message to myself as well. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So that that post killed it, right? I mean, that's a mic drop yeah. moment. Uh, so you 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 make the page private now, and that that post lives on in perpetuity. But now that it's <laughs> private, <laughs> now that it's private, you you've you've only got two followers that you've allowed to continue to follow you, and uh, those two followers are your kids. Yeah. So you have one more post to make, and uh, what do you want mm. that to be? Just to my my kids specifically. That, that's it. Just your two. Man, you're gonna get me. You're gonna get me crying thinking about that. Mm, man, just like I think it's it's to them specifically. It's just how adored and beloved they are. If everything else falls out all around them, that I just absolutely adore them, bro. I am freaking crazy about my kids. I mean, I just I just love them. I might again both of them. They'll be sleeping at night. I'll go in there. I'll just, I'll just kiss all over their face. 15 year old son, 13 year old daughter. They'd probably be mad if they, you know, if they woke up like dad, stop, but just how freaking beloved they are. And I think about that for them and just to let them know how uniquely created they are and the, and the infinite power they have within them. Um, and I think, I do think that goes for all, all kids out there. It's just, if they could know like the infinite power they have and the unique creation they are and all the crap that has to happen for that individual human to be on this earth for whatever cell to meet the, uh, you know, whatever egg, and then for, to go through pregnancy to actually like, and then to be born like that is an actual miracle. So to be here and know that like, Hey, that what you have, like the world needs what you have. So that may be a little bit generic, but I think it would just be like an overwhelming amount for my kids just to know how absolutely adored they are by me. I think they will. And I think they do. Right. I think that that you're a father that is showing up for them in a way that is is larger than life. Right. And I think they are. Mm. I, I mean, that post is going to hit. Right. That post is going to hit and they're going to yeah. love it. Um, because they know it to be true, right? There's authenticity to it, right? Like, I think why one of the reasons mm. why uh, the clip of yours that I posted is, is doing so well is because it's the authenticity of it. it. Doesn't It doesn't come off as someone who is, is judging people. It doesn't come off yeah. as someone who's preaching to people. Uh, yeah. it, it comes off as, as someone who is authentically just showing up as himself and sharing this information, right? And people see it and yeah. like, oh, man, you're right. You know, <laughs> I can, I can, I feel that, you know, and it's something that <clears throat> that's huge. And so I, I think for sure your kids, the kids know that, uh, that uh, now they'll, they'll know that you're kissing them all over the face, but, <laughs> 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 but they know, yeah, they know awesome. how you feel about them, man. And, uh, yeah. and that's awesome. And now, now every dad that's listening knows how you feel about them. Can I share something with you really quick? Yeah. Those two questions come about because 
one, it, it's it's a reminder to the person who's asked who's who's answering them of mm. you know what what their overarching message to a, to other fathers is because that's usually mm. the same message you have for yourself and you actually said it, it was like that's to you too but then also yeah. that message that you have to your kids is kind of like our 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 mission statement almost or like the things that mm. we want most for them and it's always it's always cool to hear other guys say it because it helps us reinforce like dads that are listening like oh I need to know what fatherhood means to me. I need to know what my mm. message is from fatherhood. Like when people see me as a father, what message am I putting out to the world? And, and yeah. as a father to my kids, what message are they receiving from me? Mm. Um, I think those those things are really huge and, and really, really big and guiding you and being the father yeah. that you want to be. Right. And, and I think yeah. that's that's why I started asking them or initially I started asking because I was curious. Right. What does fatherhood mean? Yeah. Because fatherhood is very hard to define because it, mm. it, it takes on so many different roles and from so many different people. Um, but then I think the message part of it really gets to the core of who you are and what yeah. you want from the people that you that call you father. Yeah. I love the even as I was saying it, I, I did feel almost like a challenge inside to make sure that I, I that that message got across, like that they didn't have to wait for this episode to release for them to hear that, but for me to make sure they knew it tonight. So it is that is an effective question because it does make me it does make me want to go tell that message to them tonight. And um, and again, it but and again, which takes me back to the first question, which okay, now I have this really cool opportunity in front of me to go make sure they know that message tonight. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, look, I, uh, I know how important time is as, as a father. Um, I actually got to go take my daughters to, uh, to, to the park to go do something outside the house. It's a hundred degrees. So I don't know how long we're going to be there, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but we are going to get out and, and do something and probably in, in some form of shade, but, uh, but we're going to go make it happen. Um, but thanks, man. Look, I'm, I'm super appreciative for you joining us. Um, if if guys you. are wanting to reach out or, you know, they're wanting to to get in touch with you or learn more about yeah. what you got going on, what would be the best way for them to do that? I think the best way I, I would say to follow us on Instagram at, at go R O now, G O A R O N O W at go R O now. Our website's goro.com, but I, I think following us on Instagram would be the best way to do it and reach out. If it, just shoot us a DM if you if you want to connect as well there. Um, but we'd love to connect with you. We talk a lot about this. It's all about intentional family living, um, tools, inspiration, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, so yeah, at goro now on Instagram. Awesome, awesome. Oh, and also you you have your own podcast and, and podcast yeah. listeners listen to podcasts. So. Um, you guys that, that are listening right now, make sure you go listen to, to Joy's podcast as well. Um, it's been really good stuff, right? Like, not that it wasn't uh, before you. I started listening, yeah. but, <laughs> but, uh, it's been good. But, yeah, no, we've like, but, yeah, that's, it's, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, but I was just saying it's, it's, it's really definitely worth to listen. Um, you know, if you're somebody who listens to podcasts, obviously, if you're listening now, um, add that to your, to your, your, your subscription list, um, to just kind of continue to be an intentional parent and, and learn yeah. from other people, hear other people's stories. And, and because I think that's ways that you can grow, uh, from others experiences, um, you know, that, that maybe you don't, you don't have to go through it, right. You can, you can learn through it without having to go through it. And I think that's really, yeah, important. that's right. So, I like that. So, 
Yeah, that's great. Uh, all right, man. I, I look. I appreciate you joining us. Um, I, I look forward to continuing to listen to the podcast. Continue to follow you on social media. I'm sure we'll be in touch um, often, right? And yep. uh, I'm excited, bro. Thank you for taking yeah, the time, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Rod, thank you, man. Appreciate what you're doing.